0: channel open. Welcome back to Weekly Trek, a proud member of the Tricorder Transmissions Podcast Network. I am your host, Alex Perry. What's today's date? The date. Today's show was recorded on May 4th, 2019. May the 4th be with you, if you are a Star Wars fan, and is current through the end of Star Trek Discovery Season 2, so beware of spoilers. All right, let's get into the show. Good day, Voyager, and welcome to... A Briefing with Neelix. It's a catchy title, isn't it? Weekly Trek is a 30-minute news show covering the biggest stories from the Star Trek franchise. We are in a new golden age of Star Trek. There are five television shows in production and enough merchandise to fill the Bajoran wormhole. So stick with me and I'll help you sort some of the real facts from a lot of the Dominion propaganda that you'll find online. And my guest this week is a returning guest... It's Heather Kirby. Welcome back, Heather, to Weekly Track.
1: Thank you so much for having me on again. I'm excited to talk about all the wonderful news that's exploding into the 32nd century with us.
0: Of course, and I hear a little birdie tells me that you might be podcasting on a more regular basis coming soon, right?
1: Coming very, very soon. We're still in the early stages of getting all the bells and whistles worked out. But if you are interested in what I might be co-hosting you can check out the newest episode of disco trek which dropped today Uh, it is part two of our panel called the women talking about women representation in star trek discovery and just to hint along the lines of what my new show is going to be about uh check that
0: out well we are very excited to welcome you formally to the tricorder tribe and i'm looking forward to the show getting off the ground all right heather you've done this before you know the drill I want to know something that's got you excited about Star Trek at the moment. What's got you moving at Warp 10?
1: Well, since it's May and it's starting to get warm out, it is kind of almost officially convention season. And that's probably what has me the most excited, because as much as I don't get to go to as many conventions as I would like to, because my wallet would be very angry with me if I did, I love seeing all the posts online from different people who are at different conventions and getting to meet all the amazing Star Trek Guests that come to all these conventions and reach out to fans. It's just so exciting to be a part of this community and have so many actors and actresses that are willing to participate in these fan events. And it means so much to us fans.
0: Convention season is the best. I was at my first convention for the year last weekend, which was AwesomeCon, which was here in DC. So that was easy for me to get to because it's right down the street. We are now, I think, 87 days away as of the day of recording from STLV 2019. We are about two months away from San Diego Comic-Con And there is lots to look forward to on the convention circuit this year And I'm hoping lots of news for us to talk about as a result Yes So my pick this week is I am in the process of reading The uh, Available Light by Dayton Ward Which is a Star Trek The Next Generation novel And the thing I'm feeling really good about is a return Of non discovery Star Trek novels to my bookshelf every month ish. So uh, if you are a book fan, you know that we've been a bit in a of a drought over the last kind of 18 months. With the exception of one Voyager novel, we've only had the four Discovery novels released over the course of late 2017, early 2018 as Pocket Books and Simon and Schuster were in the process of renewing their novel license. Well we're very pleased the license has now been renewed and new books are on the way and Dayton Wards was the first non discovery discovery novel we've gotten since, Uh, with the exception of the Voyager novel in 2018. That was the first non-discovery novel since November of 2017. So it's been quite a wait. And it's been fun to dive back into the story that the novelists have been telling, particularly for the Next Generation crew and extending the 24th century. I will have a more complete review of the book coming soon once I finish it, which hopefully will be this weekend, on TrekCore.com, in which I will talk at length more about it. But it's just so nice to get these books back again. They've been a huge part of my fandom, at least over the last decade. While we haven't had a huge amount of Star Trek on our screens, and they're such a nice companion piece to the to the shows themselves. So, Heather, are you a book fan?
1: I am a book fan, and it's wonderful, exciting to have new Star Trek novels coming out. Now, I have a question for you. Yes, There's a speculation that the reason there was such a break is that they want to connect Like some of these TNG novels to what they're going to do in the Picard series. Do you think that's going to happen?
0: I do, actually. I've been toying around with whether to make this one of my theories one week, but let's just do it now. Yes, I think that they are doing that. So we know that the Picard show is set 20 years in the future from Nemesis, and a lot can happen in that time. We know it's pretty likely that Picard's not in Starfleet anymore when that show starts. And the story that the Next Generation novel are telling right now, which is actually this, they've kind of been setting this story up for over a decade, which I think is just kind of fortuitous rather than some kind of grand master plan. But the story that's playing out in the books right now has a Picard who is in a bit of a precarious situation with his career. I won't spoil anything, but... It could be that there is some kind of tie-in between, you know, we start the Picard show and we don't get a huge amount of backfilled information about what happened in the two decades that preceded it, and that you could see the Star Trek novels as serving as filling that gap and telling the story about how Picard got to where he was. It's likely that... They will, just like they did with Discovery Season 2, they will kind of co-opt pieces of it and decide not to co-opt other pieces of it. But anything we can do to get more of these novel stories and ideas into the shows themselves is a good one. So, yeah, I think you might be onto something there. Sounds good. Of course, the authors will say, no, there's nothing there, but uh, I think they might be lying.
1: <laughs> Never trust... Anyone.
0: (laughs) Never trust Dayton Ward. All right, well with that, let's turn to the week's top stories. There's a war going on and I'm a reporter. So our first story this week is actually a turn back to talking about Star Trek movies. My God, it's been a while since we've had a conversation about a Star Trek movie. This is in regards to the Quentin Tarantino project that has been rumored for at least the last couple of years. Tarantino has now started his press rounds for the movie that he's currently working on, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which releases this summer. And in an interview this week, he was asked about the stories that there had been last year around his potential involvement with the Star Trek franchise and in making a Star Trek movie. Obviously, we we know at this point it looks very, very likely that Star Trek IV, the S.J. Clarkson-helmed return of Chris Hemsworth to the franchise as George Kirk will not be moving ahead as a result of likely contractual disputes between Chris Pine, Chris Hemsworth, and the studio. But the Tarantino project is one that has always sat separate from that. We really don't know anything about it. We don't really know if it involves the Kelvin Timeline crew or not, though it seems like the Kelvin Timeline cast that have been in the know think that it does involve them. But we just don't know anything about this project. We don't really even know if it's happening. We know that there was a scriptwriter who was selected to write the project. But there's just been no news about it. And this is kind of the first time it's come back onto our radar, with Tarantino saying that it's still very much a possibility for him that he hasn't had any conversations with the studios for a while because he's been busy making his current movie. But they've talked about a story and a script that the script has been written. And he says, and when I emerge my head like punks tawny Phil post Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, we'll pick up talking about it again. So the possibility of a Tarantino Star Trek movie remains on the agenda, which I'm personally not sure how I feel about. Heather, how do you feel about the prospect of a Quentin Tarantino-helm Star Trek film?
1: I'm honestly very apprehensive about it. I've seen a lot of Tarantino movies and he has a very unique style that I'm not quite sure how it would fit into the Star Trek universe. It really depends on... The story that they're trying to tell because there are some stories like if this movie was entirely set in the mirror universe it would make complete sense that it was Quentin Tarantino's (laughs) but we don't know that yet so I'm very apprehensive about it and I'd like not to say whether I'm yes or no right now until I get more information.
0: Yeah me too. I think that It is a good thing for the franchise that they are looking to find big name people who want to be affiliated with the franchise to help boost projects and provide them with additional publicity and get more people watching a Star Trek movie who otherwise wouldn't. I'm just not sure that Quentin Tarantino is that person for me. I like a number of Tarantino movies, Heather, as you say, the style of those movies I'm not sure how I see that vibing with Star Trek, unless it's a Mirror Universe story. Even though he has so... He did direct a couple of episodes of CSI, and I guess I've not seen them, but I've heard people talk about them saying that, he was pretty faithful when he did those episodes to what the kind of aesthetic of the CSI universe was and not kind of putting too much of a Tarantino spin on it. So he clearly can kind of set aside his own oeuvre and adopt the sort of style of a different universe. But I'm just not sure I want Tarantino to be that person. You know, I'm not sure that set aside his work. I'm not sure that he's a particularly good man. There have been a number of stories, particularly last year, as a number of stories were coming out as part of the initial kind of me too uh, revelations uh, around very bad behavior by high profile members of the entertainment, various different industries, honestly. And Tarantino's was bad. I mean, it wasn't... It didn't rise to the level of him having been accused of sexual assault, but it definitely was not good. And... I'm not sure he's the kind of person that I particularly like the idea of helming a Star Trek movie, not because of his work, but just because of who he is as a person. I, I really struggle with that. And so I just, I honestly, I would like them to find somebody else who also has a big name who might be interested in doing a Star Trek film and who doesn't come with the same kind of baggage that Quentin Tarantino comes with.
1: Oh, definitely. And I mean, there there's big names out there that have less baggage than Tarantino, so... But we're not the ones making the decisions, so we'll see what happens.
0: We are not the ones making decisions. That's absolutely right. Shifting from Quentin Tarantino to happier news, Deep Space Nine. Iris Stephen Bear gave a couple of interviews this week with io9, one interview about the Deep Space Nine documentary, one interview about Deep Space Nine as a whole. And there was some interesting uh, news that came out of the interviews Iris Stephen Baird talked at length about his decision to change the original plans around how much high-definition footage from Deep Space Nine they wanted to include in the documentary. Originally, the plan had been for five minutes and for 15 minutes of standard definition. In the final documentary, all of the Deep Space Nine footage has been upgraded to high-definition. And it seems like that decision came very, very late in the day, really almost right before the premiere events that took place at Destination Star Trek in the UK last year and the event that took place in New York. Really interesting. If you have seen TrekCore's coverage of the trailer for the Deep Space Nine documentary, it seems like there are a number of alternative shots that have been used in the documentary. Not the shots from the episodes, but shots from the same day that maybe are slightly different. The lines are delivered slightly differently. The characters are kind of placed slightly differently. And it turns out, I think that is a decision that came out of the fact that Iris Stephen Bear was talking about how the original film reels were delivered in these big boxes. And of course, they only kind of wanted one of the reels that was in the box. But rather than CBS going through and finding that reel, they just sent the whole box to the documentary crew. So they were getting these big boxes full of film footage, and that's all the film footage from that day. Not just the stuff that finally made it into the episode, but all of the alternate takes as well. So they have had access to boxes upon boxes upon boxes of material, which is where I think we've seen some of these alternate takes come from. But the HD looks fabulous. It's really, really good. Heather, what did you take away from these interviews with Iris Stephen Bear about potentially the documentary or about Deep Space Nine as a whole?
1: Well, my main takeaway is that I love Iris Stephen Bear. I think he's such uh he's he's very down to earth and he really presents himself and when he's talking about ds9 like you can feel the passion that he has for the show and what it meant to him and and everyone who worked on the documentary and it's just so awesome to read and so awesome to be a part of it and hopefully i will get to watch the documentary soon yeah, it, it it's really interesting to see his insights compared to working on DS9 back then and the reception it has now. And uh, the one interview, he made a correlation between that and some of the criticism that Discovery gets. And even though he hasn't watched Discovery, he he's like, there's nothing wrong with being different. And that's what we were criticized for. And that's what Discovery is getting criticized for. So... um yeah, I like Irish Stephen Barry. He's a good guy.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's a great guy. And I thought that was a really great point. I mean, drawing those parallels between the reception that Deep Space Nine received at the time from the Star Trek fandom and the reception that Discovery has received now from other courses of the Star Trek fandom has has a lot of parallels between it around you know fans wanting more of the same and it being different and therefore that being a challenge for a lot of fans to get comfortable with. But perhaps in the same way way that Deep Space Nine has been embraced by the fans, by all of the fandom community. As the years have gone by, the same thing will be true of Discovery as well. And that once we look back on this 10 years from now, 15 years from now, or I guess, in in Deep Space Nine's case, 25 years from now, we will do it and think, boy, how silly it was. There was all this conflict amongst the fans about whether it was real Star Trek, et cetera, et cetera, and we'll have come to a much better, more consensus place with the show by that point. I'm hoping it won't take 25 years, but um, but I suppose it theoretically could. Moving from Deep Space Nine to the Picard show, we have a story on TrekMovie.com this week, actually coming out of Awesome Con, where there was a number of Next Generation stars from the cast in attendance. We had Jonathan Frakes, Brent Spiner, Marina Sirtis, Gates McFadden, and Will Wheaton, and they all did a big panel, as they always do at these conventions. And of course, they were asked about the Picard show. And the response they gave was that they uh, you know, would love to be involved but hadn't been approached. Will Wheaton was asked about it he said he would be interested in returning if he felt like the character had a good story but otherwise he felt like Wesley's story was concluded. And the story got a bunch of pick up on social media from fans saying well this definitively proves that the Next Generation stars will not be appearing in the Picard show and that's not the case first of all this is nothing different than we've heard from these guys since the Picard show was announced. They don't know what's going on. They haven't necessarily been approached about being in it. But even if they had been approached, and even if there were plans for them to appear in some way, shape, or form, do you really think they would be saying that that was the case at a non press event in Washington, D.C., at which a fan? happened to be there and then wrote up a story about it. You know, these are professionals. They are not in the business of, even if they have signed contracts, of uh, speaking out of turn, and Awesome Con is not the place to make those kinds of announcements. So this isn't really news. Now, that's not to say that that means that these guys will be appearing in the Picard show in some way, shape, or form. I think the smart money is probably still on them not being in it rather than being in it. But don't take comments that that the cast members make at these conventions as being proof of something. All it means is that's what they felt comfortable saying at that point, and we'll just have to wait and see whether we do have any appearances by other members of the Next Generation cast. Heather, I'm assuming you would like to see appearances by other members of the Next Generation cast, but how does this make you feel?
1: Oh, yeah, I would definitely like to see it if it happened, but I agree with you that they're not going to tell us at a convention if it's going to happen. It, it, it's one of those things where the, the fans are going to keep asking because they're fans and not everybody reads the same news or convention reports or whatever. So they're going to keep asking them when they keep going to conventions. But I think it, it was... In the article it was Marina Sirtis who replied something along the lines of like even if we were on it we couldn't tell you they have that lockdown. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> they they keep everything locked down and then so it's one of those things it's like people are trolling the actors to try to get them to slip up or get some sort of sign that they're going to be in it. It's not going to happen people. If they're going to be in it we're going to find out when it airs at the end of this year. <laughs>
0: Right, or in some big flashy announcement at San Diego Comic-Con or at Star Trek Las Vegas, or at some kind of pre-made event where that kind of announcement will get the press pickup that it needs because it will have the right people in the room to make that kind of announcement. It's not going to happen at a Washington, D.C. independent fan-run convention. You know, nothing against the fans who are asking the questions. We're obviously all interested. I mean, I went up and got an autograph from Jonathan Frakes and made some sly comment about how I hoped since he was directing the episodes that they would convince him to put on a Starfleet uniform and I got some, you know, sly non-answer in response. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't begrudge the fans from asking. I do begrudge a little bit the news sites picking it up as though it's news when it's not really news and it therefore having this second life on social media where you know people are drawing conclusions from it that it's far too premature to be drawing. Yeah. So speaking of the convention circuit, we have an announcement for a new Star Trek convention. Destination Star Trek Germany will be returning in 2020 to celebrate the 25th anniversary of Star Trek Voyager with Kate Mulgrew as the headliner, the convention will take place between the 8th and the 10th of May in 2020 in Dortmund, Germany. That's the same location that the previous destination, Star Trek Germany has taken place. The Destination Star Trek crew have run two conventions. They do one in the UK and they do one in Germany. Both have sort of been trading off, but this year we actually have a second uh, in a row for the Star Trek UK event. So nice to see that they're still focusing on the German fan market. Outside of the US and the UK, I would say Germany is probably the number one place for Star Trek fans in the world. The German Star Trek fans have always been a huge component of the Star Trek fan community and It's always great to see news and reports that come out of those conventions because the passion of the German fan base is is almost second to none, quite honestly. Not only does it require all of the same things that it requires to be a Star Trek fan in the US, but it also requires you to understand a second language and to know that language well enough that the techno babble that we get in Star Trek resonates with you. So always super exciting to see the German fans get some events for them. Heather, I know you have a, a limited budget, so I think Germany's probably a little bit outside of your scope of conventions for the future, but isn't it exciting that we get another German convention event? It
1: is exciting. I have so many friends online who are actually German Star Trek fans or uh, Star Trek fans from the continental area of Europe, so to have a convention in Germany is really great for them because it's easier for them to get to than even to go to the UK or something like that. And the uh, European Star Trek fans deserve... A celebration as much as American ones.
0: Hear, hear. That is so true. And lastly, this isn't new news, but it's something that we haven't talked about. And someone reminded me that it was a thing. And therefore, I decided it was probably a good idea to talk about it on this episode, which is that as of last month, Star Trek.com is accepting open pitches for essays, reports, features, any kind of idea you have for something that you would like to appear as an article on Star Trek.com, which is exciting. This is the first time this has happened in a number of years where StarTrek.com has had an open pitch submission policy. There are a number of rules around what kind of pitches they're interested in getting. They're interested in things like timely responses to recent Star Trek episodes, essays related to the Star Trek franchise, personal essays, uh, related work that ties into the Star Trek franchise like if you work in the space industry, pieces about technology that are relevant to Star Trek, doing deep dives, listicles, interviews with interesting Star Trek fans. There's lots of different kind of approaches you can take and then each month they have a set of things they're interested in, in receiving pitches about this month. So for May 2019 that's obviously See the Discovery Season 2 finale, but then things like Asian Pacific American Heritage Month, Jewish American Heritage Month, Mental Health Awareness Month, Teacher Appreciation Week, International Day Against Homophobia and Transphobia. And then, of course, there are things that they're not interested in, like Episode reviews or freelance interview pitches or pitches for ideas for Star Trek shows. So, if you're interested, as far as I understand, uh, if your pitch is accepted, you do get paid for your work. This is because of the new managing editor of Star Trek.com, Kendra James, trying to get some more diversity in the voices that appear on Star Trek.com. If you head to Star Trek.com slash pitching, you'll find all of the information about how to submit a pitch to Star Trek.com for your idea for an article. And I wish you good luck and Godspeed. Heather, you uh, got any ideas you're working on you'd like to see appear on StarTrek.com?
1: You know, I, I'm i thinking about it. I, I think it's really cool that they're kind of letting it open for anyone to submit things because, I, I mean, it gives people who may not necessarily use writing as a profession, but it can produce something professional looking and have an opportunity to be on the Star Trek website and get paid for it, which is really, really amazing. So uh, it's very cool. And yeah, <laughs> I might have something in mind. I don't know yet.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's super exciting. And we have mutual friends who have had pieces appear on Star Trek.com. Bill Smith, co host of the Trek Geeks podcast, has had a piece on Star Trek.com. So there are people we know who've, who've managed to sit down and put the time and effort into coming up with a piece, which is super exciting. Uh, so anybody can do it. And I think this is Star Trek.com's way of encouraging people to do so. So if you have an idea you'd like to submit to the website, I would say, go ahead and take a crack at it. The worst they can say is no. Exactly. All right, well, we've talked about the facts and now it's time to speculate on what's going to happen in the future of Star Trek. You make some very good points, Captain, but it's still all speculation and theory. So, as you know, each week, I and my guest will give a theory or a wish about the future of the Star Trek franchise. So, Heather, let me hear your theory or wish for this week.
1: Well, I thought long and hard about this, and I had two options, was to go for something relatively simple that was probably going to happen, or go for something very bold, and I decided to go for something very bold.
0: I love very bold. You know me, I've had some very (laughs) bold theories that have not worked out on Weekly Trek, so hit me with it. I
1: think that the next, uh, as much as we have so many different shows, in production, and so many different shows that they are creatively working on when it comes to Star Trek. I think the next Star Trek sh- live action show is going to be a spin off from one of the characters of the Picard series.
0: Oh, wow. Okay.
1: Um, I, I just think, especially with how they're using Discovery, and we already have one spin off from Discovery with the Section 31 series, I think it makes sense to have the Picard series focus around. Picard, but introduce us to all these new characters and then take at least one of these new characters and spin them off into their own show to have Star Trek continue going in that direction. Um, Obviously, we don't know that much about the Picard show, so I had no idea what character it could be, but that's my very bold theory for the week.
0: I think that's a fabulous theory. I mean, they're about to go to all of the time and effort to establish what the Star Trek universe looks like at the turn of the 25th century. And that will require coming up with costumes and props and sets and all of these materials that they will probably want to find a way to use again and assuming the Picard show is popular, which it probably will be, and assuming there are breakout characters from that show and especially since the show is only supposed to run for, I think, a maximum of 30 episodes, Patrick Stewart had said they had kind of mapped out what a three season arc for the show could look like so no more than 30 episodes there may be more stories for those characters beyond those 30 episodes and I think it would be good for the showrunners to be thinking about what additional opportunities for those characters could look like Certainly coming out of Discovery Season 2, with the popularity of the Christopher Pike character, and now all the calls we have for a Pike show, it definitely shows you that there are breakout characters for whom the fan base can be clamoring for additional material for. And the same could certainly be true of these characters we haven't been introduced to yet from the Picard show. Yep. All right. Well, we will, I think that one will probably take a year or two for us to figure out if it came (laughs) true or not. But I look forward to reconvening in 2021 upon the announcement of the Evan Evagora will have his own spin-off for (laughs) uh, his own spin-off Star Trek show. So my theory this week is actually a wish and it's a wish. It's not my wish. It's a wish submitted by a listener. So this one comes from Linda Butler, who reached out to me over Facebook to say that her wish for the Star Trek franchise is that we would get more behind the scenes material, specifically the kinds of materials we used to get on the DVD and the Blu-ray sets, the in-depth documentaries and uh, especially commentaries for episodes from either actors or creatives behind the episodes discussing them. The Discovery Season 1 Blu-rays have some behind-the-scenes material, not a lot, and so there wasn't a whole lot of new material there, or at least things that we didn't already know about Discovery Season 1, and there were no commentaries. Now, this is something that's been going on in the home media market where there has been a move away from providing more in-depth special features because fewer people buy Blu-rays and DVDs anymore. But Star Trek fans are very interested in their shows. We are very interested in behind-the-scenes materials around the show. I actually just had an interview come out this week with David Barrett, who was the director for Saints of Imperfection, the return of Wilson Cruz. And a lot of the reaction I saw online to that, we went really deep into the episode, talked about some of the shots, some of the scenes, why he kind of set them up the way he did, how he did them. And it seemed like people were very interested in what, what he had to say, about that kind of behind-the-scenes material. So I- I'm with Linda. I would like to see more. I, and, and given we're in this digital world, you know, it's the kind of thing that CBS doesn't have to package onto a Blu-ray in order to find an audience for. They have CBS All Access they can take advantage of to give us a commentary or a more in-depth documentary about the making of Star Trek Discovery. And that's a reason to get people to continue to pay their subscriptions when we know that a number have paused their subscriptions now the Discovery Season 2 has ended. Heather, would you like to see more? Are you with Linda? Would you like to see more behind-the-scenes material from Star Trek Discovery? I definitely
1: would like to see more. I, I think maybe a little bit of what's stopping them from like making these behind-the-scenes things in the first place is because they have the production universe so locked down that they don't want to let any spoilers escape. But when you release it, It's already aired, it's not a spoiler,
0: right? Right, right.
1: (laughs) I I hope they do start moving in that direction. I noticed, especially this year in season two, they had a lot of more in depth, behind the scenes stuff after each episode was released. With I'm gonna butcher his name, and I don't want to do that. Olatunde
0: Olatunde Osun Samni.
1: Yes. Um, But he was the on-set person uh, who was there for almost every episode and directing things in Toronto for the crew. And so he did a lot of behind-the-scenes photos and stories and it's things like that. Especially when you're looking at sci-fi shows, like you want to see how it's all put together. Because it's not like it's a show crime drama where it's something everyday, ordinary, average people get to see on a regular basis. This is science fiction. We're in space. We want to know what happens, how these are built, how these aliens come together, all sorts of things like that. So, yeah, more behind-the-scenes footage, for sure.
0: We're with you, Linda. CBS, get on it. Let's get some commentaries. Let's get some more behind-the-scenes material for Star Trek Discovery and the upcoming Star Trek shows that we are looking forward to. So do you have a theory or a wish for discovery or the future of the franchise that you would like to share? Tweet them to me at Weekly Trek, and as you've seen from this episode, I might feature your theory in a future episode. Well, that's all the time we've got for this episode of Weekly Trek. Thank you so much to my guest, Heather Kirby, for joining me today. Heather, how can people contact you if they want to continue the conversation?
1: Well, you can find me primarily on Twitter. I'm at nerdygal33, and my profile name is Never Apologize for Being Nerdy. And I would also suggest you watch the Tricorder Transmissions Twitter space, because within the next few weeks to a month or two you will hear information about my new show that's coming out
0: very very exciting well can't wait Heather and uh, I'm looking forward to being a day one subscriber
1: (laughs) thank you very much
0: you're very welcome you can find this show on Twitter at Weekly Trek and me at Alexander T. Perry and if you enjoy the show please consider leaving us a five star review on your podcast player of choice and please check out some of the other great shows on the Tricorder Transmissions including the forthcoming show from our veritable Heather Kirby. And if you like our shows, please also consider becoming a Patreon of Tricorder, which you can find at patreon.com slash the Tricorder Transmissions. And lastly, if you're looking for Star Trek news on the internet, I hope you will turn to trekcore.com. Well, thank you, Heather, and thank you to all of my listeners. And until next week, live long and prosper.